Welcome to the Kingdoms Podcast, sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Ladies and gentlemen, you're once again welcome to another episode of the Kingdoms Podcast. I've got exciting news for you. You can now contribute to your favorite podcast by signing on to our Patreon. Go to the Patreon link in the description and you can contribute to the growth and development of your favorite podcast with as little as $5 monthly. Also, do not forget to sign up for your MBA program with the Ottman Business School see the code uh in the description with the code kingdom sport 30 you can sign up for 30 percent discount on the program here's a word from our sponsors life is way more important than sales you're not going to know what's going to be the problems and what are the challenges that you're going to face and my job is to help you understand how sales helps you succeed at life by the end of that phone call my hand was shaking so badly i could not hold a pen to write i called my manager john and i said i might have just killed jeff bezos the end result of Google acquiring YouTube for $1.65 billion is compressed into five days. You're being taught by actual people who have done it. The founder of Shazam, the founder of Lime, the founder of Eventbrite, the founder of Waves, the founder of YouTube, and others are going to help you understand how they did it. It is the best experience that you can have. You're going to see some truly remarkable results. Let's go. This is a lifetime lesson. So start now. Things right there, yes. Okay. We are live. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is the moment you all have been waiting for. Live on the Kingdoms podcast. Introducing a big martial artist fighting out of Abuja, Nigeria. Holy yeah, yeah. Shagun, Machine Gun Shags, Ogun Noiki. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, my brother. How are you? How are you doing today? I'm okay, okay. So, congratulations, you know, on your achievements in the world of mixed martial arts. You know, you're a national Thank champion. You. And you're also a runner-up in the African Knockout uh, competition, right? So how, how yep. do you feel about your, your achievements in combat sports uh, generally? Um, to be honest, in my view, I haven't achieved so much just yet. I am just uh, still scratching the surface. I feel like there's so much more yet to be achieved. And, you know, I have my, my boots on. I have my... Uh, preparation intact i have my team intact and we're just you know preparing every day and making sure we are ready for the magic moments when they come and we will take it with both hands uh, interesting magic moment that reminds me of some some kind of vodka you know have, have you ever seen that that, that drink magic <laughs> magic moment right so um you are a national champion, right? But uh, is that Indeed. kickboxing or something? Kickboxing. Okay, kickboxing, the Nigerian um, National Festival, right? Yeah. 
Yes, correct. Okay, okay, okay. That's interesting. So, um, how would you describe yourself as a person in a nutshell? Mm, that's a very broad question. Um, as a person, I'm a very ambitious individual. I'm very disciplined. Uh, I'm very focused when I need to be, and I'm one of such people who feel like life has to be lived. Um, so I put in as much effort as possible into anything that I decide to do because anything we're doing is what doing well. So I'd rather not do it than not do it well. So when mm. I put in effort or when I tend to do something, I put in as much effort as possible to get the best result possible. I like that philosophy. That's, that's basically a broad description of myself. Okay, fantastic one. So, um, can you talk to us briefly about your childhood and how growing up was like for you? Um, I am the first of four. Uh, I grew up with a single mother. I have two brothers and one sister. Uh, I always had pressure on, on me being the first kid to, first off, be there for my siblings as well as lead by example. Uh, my mother was a pretty tough lady. God rest her soul. She's late now, oh. but she was pretty tough. And I, to a very large extent, I'll say she had to play the role of a mother and a father. And she did an awesome job. I mean, I, I turned out okay. And, you know, we're still aiming for the moon and hoping we drop on the stars. Or how does it go? Um, you, point is i'm just you know still doing my best as well as my my siblings are doing their best as well and we're trying to push for the best possible outcome uh you know on an international scale i hope and look forward to um leaving some kind of a legacy or mark uh as a representative of my nation nigeria where i come from and you know, that's that's pretty much it. I didn't really have, uh, you know, out of the ordinary. I, I grew up regular. I was a stubborn kid. No one died. <laughs> fighter. I studied law. I got called to buy, practice law for a few years. Didn't work for me. Or well, at least um, I chose this over practicing law. Uh, Follow your passion, right? All of it. I'm not one to sit down behind a desk for hours. I, I'd rather stand and fight for hours. Uh, interesting, interesting. But then who, who would you say were your early life influences and like what philosophies do you think were ingrained in you from childhood and have actually led to your success in life uh, right now? Mm, I've been influenced by, I dare say everyone, both positively and negatively. However, I... Um, at a young age, I was able to identify the fact that these influences play uh, little roles in, in one's life. And I made very conscious effort to discard any influence that was negative and try to keep the ones that were positive. Uh, you know, the, the things I said earlier, first off, about anything worth doing is worth doing well. I, I take that um, statement from a teacher I used to have back in uh, high school who would always say, you know, Anything worth doing is worth doing well. If you don't want to go to school, don't go to school. Stay at home. But if you come to school, you have to put in your best effort and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, back then it always sounded like a lot of noise. But, you know, when you get to being an adult, you see how much 
uh, sense it makes. Uh, as far as the fight scene, um, I've been largely influenced by people like Georges St. Pierre, uh, John Jones. GSP. Yeah. Wow. Great influences. You know, his grit and, and, and consistency really gives me uh, a reason to, you know, strive for more. Uh, Israel also is a very big influence. His style. My boy. The last yeah. Avenger. That influences virtually every young Nigerian fighter or, or athlete, I would say. Uh, I think off the top of my head, I, those are the ones I could just uh, hit on the head right now. Uh, okay, interesting. So how, how did your love for martial arts come about? Um, so I was bullied a lot as a kid. And... Mm. Um, like I said earlier, you know, there was a lot of burden on me to perform as the first kid. So I, as well as being bullied, I also had the need to be there for my siblings, you know. So if they were bullied, I had to step in and try to help or try to, you know, be there for them. And be the big brother. Yeah, exactly. I was always the big brother, always. And... Uh, at first, I took up just staying fit. I would play football and lift some weights, you know. And over the years, I, I modeled for a few years. That made me take up working out a little more because, you know, I had to look good and, you know, try to stay fit. So you, Because most of the time, you know, there's... I never really experienced this personally. But amongst the people who had to deal with it, I could see the disappointment in their faces when say a group of guys go for an audition and they had to pick a few of them to like represent the brand or something. And then, uh, you know, they pick a few and then they kick out the rest and the disappointment on their faces. I could feel it. Most of the time I, good for me, wasn't amongst the ones they kicked out, but I could feel their pain. And point is, I just always felt the need to like push myself that little extra. So I make the cut. I'm not big on being the one on top, but I must make the cut. I, I will not be <laughs> the bottom half. I will always be the top half. <laughs> so sorry to interrupt you. Sorry to interrupt you. That reminds me of what I was telling uh, a British friend of mine here. of like, yeah. Naijano carry last. Naijano yeah. carry last. Like, we might yeah. not be the first, right? But we'll never yeah. be the last. <laughs> You're right. You know, you know yeah. where that saying from? Uh, where did you come from? Uh, I like it, to do from South, south of Nigeria, from Delta. And ironically, oh, wow. I live from Delta. You're so, from Delta, wow. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm, uh, my father was from Ogun State and my mother is from Delta. And uh, a lot of my childhood was also spent in Delta. So I have a little bit of that influence. And so that saying was very common back then. Nanjano de Kailas, Warino de Kailas. It was a big thing. Everybody says it. <laughs> and the idea that you're supposed to be sharp and you know, stay on your toes to, you know, always come out on top. I can see that also influenced you. <laughs> Indeed, it did. Very, very much. Okay, yeah. So, so you, you, you kind of have like a similar story to um, Israel Adesanya as well, right? So he said he was bullied, you know, as a child and then, you know, it kind of influenced him into going into uh, martial arts, right? So, uh, like, which of the martial arts did you um, get into first? And, you know, how did you not evolve? Um, the first martial arts I was involved in was Taekwondo. 
Uh, I had a striking a background. Who, yes, yes, I, I come from a striking background. All the grappling and all that came much later. In fact, um, so here, here's the progression. I started with TKD and, you know, for those who know what Taekwondo is all about, you know, the baseline of it is kicking. You know, Taekwondo athletes are really known for being able to kick very well. And one time I had this little sparring session with a boxer and I hadn't been hit in the face that many times before. And it was a wake up call. And I felt like, you know what? I need to get you know, some skill in this department and brush up my boxing. And then I started training boxing and I trained with a few coaches over the years and I realized how important it was. And I couldn't wait to take out my newfound skills on my fellow guys who really felt like being able to kick alone was enough. And very quickly, it was obvious that, man, we need to like brush up on this part of things as well. And then subsequently, I met uh, a dude, then he used to work with um, one of the expat communities here. And he was very well grounded in jujitsu. And again, I had my ass handed to me. Oh my, it was horrible. And in his case, he was a really small guy, no taller than five foot six, maybe. And then back then he was in his thirties, maybe late thirties, early forties. And, you know, I also got another wake up call and I'm like, Mm. Grappling, yeah. The, 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 they say size doesn't matter. <laughs> it it matters much less. Size always matters. Please, they need to adjust that statement. Size hey, always. Hey, BJJ. However, <laughs> depending on the circumstance, it matters less. Anyways, I, I um, think Royce Gracie. Know. Royce Gracie is good in the security with you. You know, he yeah, he, he well, won UFC one, and you know it was an open weight tournament. The difference is. It. That the reason I say that size matters is if you had two people with equal level of skill and one is bigger, the bigger guy is bound to win. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So uh, I look at it as every opponent I approach, I approach him with the mindset of he's just as skilled as I am, and you need to come in with uh, as much preparation as possible. So the whole size doesn't matter applies to novices so say i meet some big bouncer looking guy who hasn't fought a day in his life i'll kick his ass all day however if i met somebody of that same weight with half as much skill as i have it will be a problem it's gonna be trouble it's gonna exactly. be trouble it, it goes up and down like that okay uh interesting so um we, we're talking about the, the the evolution right so you talk yeah. you talked about you now adding um jiu-jitsu into your arsenal yeah. but before before you, you continue your evolution right um let's talk about uh, mixed martial arts and the required skills for success so i was talking with um in episode two of this podcast i was talking with um the former um Bellator interim um, bantamweight champion of the world. That's a, that is Rafin's thoughts, right? And then we had a conversation about the top three martial arts that you know are required for success in MMA, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, for me, I feel like the top three um, martial arts, the top three disciplines you need to succeed in MMA are wrestling, uh, jujitsu, and kickboxing. Or he he said he would remove kickboxing and put in Muay Thai. So I want to have your take. What's what's your top three and uh, what would be the two honorable mentions? So let's have a top five. Yeah, from you. 
So okay. really top five disciplines yeah, to have to top be five really successful. To be well-rounded, yeah, well-rounded is a word. To be a well-rounded mixed martial artist. Uh, my top five disciplines will be boxing, kickboxing, or Muay Thai. It's I, I use them interchangeably. So wrestling, boxing, kickboxing, or Muay Thai, and of course, Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, I mean, there's a few others that hang in there, like Karate or Taekwondo. Uh, you know, people like uh, uh, um, the guys from the cold regions have made oh, us the combat sambo, Dagestani. Yes, yes, yes. Sambo also yeah. uh, has proven to be pretty effective. Yeah, it's a so problem with wrestling, to be honest. Yes, they are, but I think yeah, they have yeah, a, a little bit of fusion with things like jujitsu and uh, etc. Uh, but yes, I think it, it is based on wrestling. And in, in the past few years, the wrestlers have shown us that wrestling is definitely, definitely a strong competitor in the mixed martial arts scene. In fact, I think if you had to put it in order of importance from one to five, I think it would go like wrestling first, then boxing then kickboxing or Muay Thai, and then you can put the other three, maybe yes, Sambo or, or Jiu-Jitsu or, jiu or Karate or Taekwondo. And I mean, the numbers speak for, for themselves. Um, over the years, I think I, I came across, uh, uh, I don't know if it was a documentary, just someone stating an opinion, stating the numbers based on success of athletes based on their background so it seemed like at the top of it they were most mostly wrestlers you know succeeding yeah, i think it's mostly wrestlers boxing and then karate and i don't think there was any sambo in that list but you know it had those three in that order and you know was... sambo guys are pretty new right they're like yeah, new generation yeah. basically Khabib, Islam are like the pioneers of that generation. The yes. Nomagomed family. Just... Yeah, the Nomagomed. <laughs> they really, really take it over. But oh, quick one, quick one. I'm going to put you on the spot, right? So mountain wrestling versus Greco-Roman wrestling, which one do you think is more effective for uh, mixed martial arts? Honestly, I'll say mountain, mountain wrestling. wrestling. That's the Dagestani, that's the Dagestani wrestling. Yes. I would say mountain wrestling just because of what they've been doing recently. I, I give it to them all day. Okay, uh, okay, if you say so. So uh, back to your uh, evolution, right? So training jiu-jitsu, like how did you now like get it all uh, together to to make it mixed martial arts? Um, right after, I mean, when I came in contact with each of these martial arts, I tried to maintain consistency as far. Uh, I still kept in touch with my base. I still did train Taekwondo. And then I got, you know, based on my experience in Taekwondo and boxing, it was pretty easy to get into kickboxing. Uh, I met a few coaches. And before long, everybody wanted me to compete in kickboxing. And I don't know if you know what the competition scene is like in Nigeria, but if you're any good, they will come find you. And, you know, uh, I got reached out by some secretaries from the sports council and, you know, we had meetings 
and I accepted to compete for kickboxing. And, you know, uh, the, the national festivals happen every two years. And in the last six years, I have been a kickboxing champion in the minus 86 category. First, yes, yes, yes. From the first one, it came out good. It was nice. I mean, I, for me, I was always ready. So I just jumped on it. And the next time, I, I already knew I was going to compete for that weight long before the time. Because usually there's like trials for each weight category. As There's usually a few people who want to take each spot. And, okay. you know, so for me, each spot was pretty much sealed because I, I didn't have too much uh, to deal with. I, I was better than most of the guys in my weight category. So it was pretty easy to um, get in there. And, you know, while I did compete in kickboxing, I also, you know, honed my skills in other martial arts. I, I did jujitsu. I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't been able to compete uh in jiu-jitsu just because it, it wasn't really my interest uh and then there's not many but do we really have grappling tournaments in nigeria yes they are it's it, they're few but yes they are okay interesting like you like to, uh, i like to see your ufc fight pass because you know ufc have been taking a lot of initiative in um jiu-jitsu organizing those Indeed. grappling tournaments and yeah they're, they're they're making, you know, waves in terms of bringing attention to uh, the world of uh, grappling and, you know, jiu-jitsu uh, as, 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 as martial arts, right? You see, you seem quite passionate about, you know, uh, the martial arts, right? So, but then let, let's try to, uh, let's try to uh, talk about martial arts in general, right? So, like, what yeah. are the differences that you see in the Asian practices versus the modern practice of martial arts? You know, the, the, the typical idea that, you know, um, persons of my own generation i am 31 years old for uh by the way so i i am a millennial right uh okay. so we grew up watching the likes of jackie chan jet lee you know bruce lee right <laughs> so like those guys were like the transition from the old school you know idea of martial arts right mm -hmm. versus you know the new school of martial arts i think children growing up right now their own idea of martial arts would be mma uh, yeah. boxing say more of like the commercialized you know martial arts so like what's your opinion about you know the the oriental style right yeah you had those schools those um what do you call them the gyms uh uh this the, the schools there's some name they call them in, in asia uh the jo the dojos okay right? Yeah, the dojos, where one dojo competes with another dojo, you know, that traditional uh, style, right? Versus what uh, martial arts is uh, today on the global stage. So uh, what's 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 your opinion about, you know, the general practice of martial arts, old school versus new school? Um, I personally grew up, like you said, in the old school martial arts system. So I'm very much big on respect, hierarchy, understanding mm -hmm. of basics uh you know i mean i compete because i can and to be honest it interests me a lot i like to test myself and of course test myself against another person who is just as prepared as i am uh the the, the new style kind of has me hesitant a bit because now someone just wants to jump in the gym train for one month 
and you know he wants to be able to raise his shoulder and say he's a tough guy and he's he's able to do this and that. And the way I was trained and brought up was there is a hierarchy. You will start at white belt level and you will do the basic stuff, whether or not you feel like you understand it or not. You keep doing it till your master tells you. Yes, you're good enough to get promoted to the next level, and then you get to the next level, and now you start at the floor of that next level, and you keep building on and on, and you know it goes all the way like that. Uh, so I, to be honest, so two things. One, I find that the old school traditional style is good for um, knowledge. Okay. But for practicability and applicability, I definitely second the new school style because you'd find, I mean, there's a bunch of videos and proof online and even in your everyday life, you can find people who have been training martial arts, traditional martial arts, so karate, taekwondo, judo, etc. And they've been doing this for many, many years. And I dare say there's a lot of them that cannot defend themselves against a street tug. Now, the reason is because you train traditional martial arts where, you know, everything is so controlled and so fixed in such a way that some of them have it in their mind that in the real world, this is how it's going to be. But actually not. You know, if you have <laughs> no holds back. Yeah. <laughs> no rules you know, in the real world. <laughs> who is angry because you cut him off at the line or something and next thing he's swinging haymakers at you and you know you you do taekwondo or judo and you've never been taught in all your years how to deal with someone throwing punches at you you know it's very different and versus the the, the new style of training where people almost jump into the deep end very quick now as long as it's done safely, I feel like you can still develop the necessary skills required to defend yourself or your loved ones in a bad situation. And I find it more realistic and more applicable to deal with, you know, everyday uh, squabbles or, uh, you know, issues that may arise. So how do you bring that balance, right, between that, you know, transition between the old school and the new school? Because apparently there are positives from the new school, there are positives yes. from the old school. For example, discipline. You know, a lot of martial artists in our age and time have lost that tradition of discipline. And Most have lost. You, you can err by being, dis by being disciplined. And ultimately as well, for me, very importantly, respect. I am very, very big on respect. You know, that's why I love that show of respect, you know, between uh, martial artists, you know, when you yeah. go to battle and at the end, you know, bow to each other, you hug it out, you know, you say kind words to each other, right? Because in the end, it's still a sport, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. So, like, a lot of people have lost our respect and our sportsmanship in, in our age and time. And it's really sad to see. Then talking about... Uh, pioneers in in bringing that new school that old school into the new school i think somebody that was actually very pivotal is um bruce lee right bruce lee with you know the movies he brought you know the martial arts into mainstream right yeah and then um he was open to the idea of mixing it all up right yeah. on like you yeah. know the the old idea of if you are a karate guy you must stick to only karate it's like a scene for you to go and try yeah. taekwondo 
right? <laughs> but then Bruce Lee uh, brought everything together and then he, in one of his popular quotes is, be water. Like it should be like water, like yes. water takes you know the form of anything that it is put in. You put the water in the glass, it becomes <laughs> the glass, right? But then, like, who are the other guys that you would point and say, okay, these guys were also contributors in um, bringing the old school to transition into the new school, aside from um, Bruce Lee? Like, any any names on your mind? Mm, uh, I mean. The, the the ones who jump at me right now were more they, they were definitely martial artists in their lives but mm-hmm. it, it strikes me like they were more entertainers or yeah it, 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 it doesn't matter it, 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 but apparently mostly you say who you know, i said i would say jackie chan yeah like he was a, yeah. he's a lifelong martial artist but Best then picture. he brought it yeah, to life, and he even uh, projected it with humor, with a good sense of humor as well. Part of Donnie Yen, I think he did a lot for the martial arts scene and like trying to make things more, you know, new school or realistic or adapt the old traditional style to uh, modern day scenarios. Um, uh, what's the name of the guy who acted on back? I don't recall his name. He, he was a very big influence in the, uh, uh, you know, the popularity of Muay Thai. Um, but the guy from the movie Ong Bak, it's he's very popular. Ong Bak, how, how, how do you how do you spell the movie? O N G space B A K. O uh, N G right. O N G. Space B A K. There's like two or three parts okay. to the movie. Okay, okay, it's a, like a Muay Thai movie. Yeah, it, it, yes, that was the martial arts they tried to showcase in that particular movie. Okay, and uh, <laughs> you, you, you're talking about like the main character. Is he Tony Ja? Tony Ja, exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I'm also a big fan of Tony Ja. Um, I mean, th- those. Does boxing count? Because I'm a big Tyson fan. I and to, to yeah, that's, see him, that, that's a sweet science, man. <laughs> you, you, like you or not, right? I think a lot of people do not see boxing as a martial art because yes, I agree. That's why early because of its early commercialization. True, true. Yeah, that was the uh, first. When you think about it, what martial art discipline is the most commercialized and the first one to be commercialized? Yeah. It is boxing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then it is still a martial art. In the real sense of it, so our uh, boxing, like who are those uh, people you think uh, would um, get into this category? You think Mike Tyson is up there? Yeah, I would totally get Tyson in there. Tyson brought uh, uh, probably subconsciously, but he brought a very interesting perspective to combat sports. You know, like he he he. Mm, he made it in such a way that um, someone who fights competitively can be seen and feared and revered. You know, it wasn't like a movie. This is not a movie anymore. This is like <laughs> this, thing, this is this real life. <laughs> down, you know, a, a person who's almost you know twice his size. You know, it's like the the the. I think Tyson definitely sent chills down the spines of a few people he had to fight. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, that whole persona that he created was definitely something. Yeah, I said, yes. like, even people that do not follow martial arts at all in any way, shape, or form, when you mention that name, Mike Tyson, you know, they think about the baddest man on the planet. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so he, he really did a lot of work. Uh, what, what other boxing um, guys would you say have been uh, influentially in passing the touchdown from the old school to the new school? Mm, I'm a big Lennox fan. Primarily, <laughs> I'm a big but primarily because what he beat Tyson. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I would have favored Tyson style to win, and he was able to keep his cool and, like, you know, he was able to control, you know, the pace and control the space. And I mean, that was that was a big one for me. I didn't think he was going to win. I watched the fight, I didn't think he was going to win. Uh, I'm a big fan of Holyfield. A fan of Holyfield. fighter who liked to fight on the inside. It was, I mean, I don't like that style of fighting because it requires, well, that style of boxing because it requires taking pretty much a lot of, a lot of yeah, I'm, I'm, I like to, I like a slick fighter, you know, I, I like to hit him, make him miss, you know, that kind of style. But Holyfield was very grunge and, I mean, it worked for him. So, you know, big ups to him. Ironically, uh, Mayweather is so much in the news. That is the name. That is the <laughs> name I was waiting for. You just saw me. You just waited. Because when you talk about you, you're a fan of, uh, you know, being sleek. And in my head, that that name was just in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm waiting for this guy to mention this name. He's not oh, to mention it, man. I'm <laughs> a big fan of the, um, Mayweather. And his ability to commercialize and make so much business. And not just that. But he's also building like a next generation of guys, and yes. and you know, what can I say? It's a family of people who are who will remain in the combat sports scene for a very very long time, and the smart. fact that it's as much damage, and uh, you know, and you know, end up with Parkinson's or end up with some messed up disease from having to fight for so long, is extra impressive. I don't even think he gets enough credit for the work he has done. Yeah, nice match, both on the ring and off the ring. Yes, yes. And uh, Roberto Duran also jumps at me as well. Because uh, so w- when I first got into boxing, I tried to look through a few of the guys who had like made names for themselves and what they do. And, you know, back in the day, boxing used to be about 15 rounds. And people like Roberto Duran would fight all 15 rounds. And... I mean, that is amazing. If you haven't been in a ring with someone who's trying to take your head off for three minutes, you do not understand or appreciate how tough it is to have to, you know, be in that ring of fire, like I like to call it. It's a ring of fire because it's hot all through. And, you know, his, his ability to control the pace and his footwork and, you know, the cardio and just the hands of stone was amazing i i definitely tap into his uh mindset and what he did for the boxing game as well i mean i could go on and on there's so many of them like when i think of it you know another name jumps at me i'm like but this guy was pretty good andre ward was great you know i i see he's still like in between trying to be like a coach and corner man for a bunch of these new guys like stevenson and crawford etc but you know yeah, people crawford. like that were different 
the maestros, you know, they knew the art of defending punches and not just punching. You know, they made it such that um, um, you learn to defend the punches before you learn to punch. You know, they say that's why it's called self-defense, not self-attack. Exactly. You need to exactly. learn to defend first. And then, you know, so I admire those those guys. Yeah, you know, and that, that that's one thing with having, you know, a very good fight IQ. Because um, for you to be a good fighter, you need to be a smart person, right? You need true, to true. Yeah, fight intelligently. <laughs> yeah, so you need to fight intelligently <laughs> because you, you need to risk assess, right? Uh, and part of your risk assessment is trying to minimize um the damage that you take and you know maximize you know the damage that you you inflict but um you there are people that yeah there are a lot of people that just take take the damage right and then it's it, that guarantee tells over time it does it does tell over over time it does tell over time because you know like uh, we like to say in nigeria but you know before i would <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does tell over time. So, like, really, when it comes to that, I, I give kudos, a lot of kudos to someone like Mayweather, right? He mastered yeah. the art of, of, you know, fighting intelligently um, over time. And, you know, looking at the, the, the old guard and the new guard, looking at the, 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 the OGs now, you know, uh, providing guidance to the new school guys. It's, it's, it's really fantastic. And, you know, it's great to see how people have accepted you know, combat sports more in our own um, age and time on like our previously um, in, the, in the, the previous generation. And, you know, uh, we can't wait to see what, you know, combat sports would be in the next 20, 30, 40 years to come. Uh, the future, <laughs> the future, the future is for the taking, right? So let's, let's take a back, let's, let's take a back seat from um, combat sports, right? Let's talk about academics, right? You are a lawyer. Right, but then, like, uh, how's like academics are uh, for you? Like secondary school, uni, you, you, you practice law for a while, right? But then, immediately went to the Nigerian law school. Aside from law, did you like get involved in any other thing academically? Just uh, briefly talk about academics. Ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a lawyer. It was my oh. dream, and my my late mom also wanted me to be a lawyer. Um, all through from uh, secondary school level upwards, it was your training to be a lawyer. You know, in her mind, she says, you know, I want you to be my lawyer. So if anybody messes with me, I will sue them. And, you know, it was a very common joke. We'll joke around about all the time. Uh, not much to about that. For me, I accepted and wanted it. And I put in if you've met anybody who has been trained in law, they'll tell you it's it's tough. It's not easy. Uh, there's lots of studying involved. So much, so much. And I, I was ready to do it all the way. I, I really just wanted to achieve that. I'm very one-track mind. When I zone into something, I just, you know, aim straight for it and keep going. And all through, I just focused on being a lawyer, and as far as academics, that was my number one goal. Uh, my second goal was to be a psychologist. I, I've always been interested in how people think. Uh, but it's more of a long-term goal. I think at some point I'll pursue that a little more. Right now, still trying to do a few other things that might make that 
goal a bit more difficult. And like I always say, anything worth doing is worth doing well. And if I'm not able to do it well now, I'll put it in the back seat till when I am able to, and I will take it up. Interesting. Speaking of psychology, right, Angie, your interest in um, learning why people, how people think. Uh, I, one book actually came to my mind. Have you ever read this book uh, titled Why You Act the Way You Do? No, uh, I haven't. It's a book by, by Tim LaHaye. Tim no, LaHaye. I, 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 I'll strongly recommend that book for you. Like, maybe a gift from me to you. I will buy a copy of that book for you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you take me up on that. Well, I keep to my word, right? And interestingly, I think my mom at some point like wanted me to be a lawyer. I think he came up in some conversation recently. I think I was helping one of my, I was defending one of my friends, like helping them write, um, what's it called, um, emails uh, regarding some um, litigation kind of um, situation that they had. Right, and then my mom was like, "Wow, you know, really, really good lawyer." But apparently, my father, you know, uh, wanted me to be a finance professional when I was, you know, in Nigeria when you want to write your jam and stuff like that. I, yeah. I was always interested in, in mass communication, right? I wanted to be a broadcaster. I wanted to be, you know, a TV show host, like a radio show host, you know, from back in the days, right? <laughs> and my father told me that uh, if you know you pay your school fees yourself, peak mass communication. <laughs> but if you know as one that is going to pay the school fees come on go and pick something you know economics right? <laughs> and be a chartered accountant so that you can be a professional and let people respect you you know just african parents that kind of thing yeah. right yep. but uh, in a way i did not end up being a broadcaster but i became the podcaster <laughs> That's good, but, yeah. yeah it's kind of close right but then that is like me doing you know uh, something that is still like related to my childhood passion, childhood dreams. But then I ended up becoming a chartered accountant, becoming a finance professional. But there was always that thing in me, you know, driving me to utilize my passion to impact people, you know, with that, you know, God-given gifts, God-given talent. So I, I can understand that with you, you know, like when you grow up, you when you are growing up and you have, you know, that desire to be something, right? It, it, it's, you, you don't get fulfilled until you, try to achieve that thing and when you achieve it then you can now you know try to discover yourself yeah. right yeah so so that that's that's nice interesting so uh from lore to mma you talked about your evolution in, in mma right then like can you talk about um the highs and lows in your journey so far what have been the highs and lows in combat sports and life generally like how's it been the major highs and lows, what would you say that to be? I would say a major low I've had personally was losing my mother because, um, like I said, I grew up with a single mom and she was very, very, you know, like she, she put her back in, you know, she really did sacrifice all her pleasures or, you know, we, we virtually took up all her time and she put in so much efforts into making sure her kids turned out all right. One very, very particular dream I personally wanted to fulfill, and unfortunately I can't, was to find a way to pay her back for all her efforts. You know, I always told her that she tries so much and nobody appreciates her enough. And I always told her, wait for me when I get there, 
I will take care of you. I'm going to pamper you. She will laugh about it and, you know, made her feel good sometimes when she felt a bit upset and I would use that to, you know, get a bright mood out of her. Uh, unfortunately, she isn't alive anymore. So the fact that she died was a major, major low point for me. Well, where was uh, that? This was in 2016. Wow, that, that's so sad, you know. Yes, so yes, sad. yes. It was in 2016. Uh, <laughs> I, as far as lows, I mean, no, no particular one jumps out at me right now. I've had, like, you know, some good days, bad days. And I, I don't consider them so important as to make it like a benchmark point in time or lows right now. For highs, um, I would say actually becoming a lawyer was a major high for me. And unfortunately, I became a lawyer. I got called to bar one year after my mother died, which is in some ways a bittersweet moment because... She always wanted me to be a lawyer, and I would have loved if she saw the actual moment mm -hmm. of me getting called to bar and at least see me practice, and you know, because she always wanted that. And I would have yeah, loved. I, 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 I can, I can, I really, really like relate to that. You know, like yeah. growing up, we always like wanted to, as Africans, right? You always want to make your parents proud. You no, get it, sure. and you know, you want your your parents to see to be there to experience, you know, the fruit of that hard labor that you've actually taught for. But then apparently, I know that like, um, she's in a better place and then she she is really proud of you. Like, oh, like everything, yeah, every, everything that you've achieved. Because, um, even for myself, like, um, when it comes to like the world of finance, right? I had to like work really hard to, to become a chartered accountant. I was quite poor at math, you know, when I was, you know, um, younger. I had to force myself to get the methods to the madness. And I remember like the day I was being inducted as a chartered accountant, my father told me something. Was it? Okay. He, yeah. When, when I became a chartered accountant, my father told me something. He said, Yes, that is my son. And I told him, like, So all these years I've not been your son. Not <laughs> All right, African parents are just so funny, right? They know that you are yeah. their child where you achieve something that you know, like, no. they've always wanted you to achieve. So, I really, I really can't relate. I really can't relate. But it is well, you know, you take you know everything that happens in life, you know, as fuel for us to like get to like greater heights. And uh, by God's grace, I know that there, there are greater, greater things in, in store for you, and you know, that okay. motivation will always be there, yeah. And apparently. We're proud of you. I am proud of you. You know, Thank your you. mother, you know, is proud of you up in heaven. That I'm very, very sure about. You know, just keep pushing my brother. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, like, um, the law thing, like, made you really proud, right? But then how about in combat sports? Like, what what, what have been your proud moments and um, what mm -hmm. low moments would you say you've had in combat sports? Mm, well, um, high moments. Um, I would say I mean, every time you become a champion at anything at all, even if it's something less physical like chess, it's a proud moment. So I'm very proud of every win I've had. Uh, those were very high moments. You know, they're very uh, tense moments. The moment before you go into a fight is is there's very few feelings that can match that amount of you know tension. And however much experience you have, you still feel a bit of tension when you have to go and perform in front of thousands of people 
or millions of people. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. Like, do you feel the nerves? Like, how, how does it feel? It's always there, but it gets easier. And here is, here is um, a reference I'm going to use that kind of equates to it. Um, imagine, think back to when you were a boy, a teenager, and the first time you meet a girl, like, too exciting. You know, it's like, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? You know, and then over time, it's just, it's not a big deal anymore. It's like, anymore, it yeah. might still be a bit, uh, you, you still have to be cautious, kind of like, oh, you know, you check if your breath stinks or, you know, make sure you're nice and fresh and looking good. You adjust your shirt or your suit. And that's the way it is with the thing. You know, at this point right now, it's still a tense moment, but it is not so tense as to inhibit your abilities. Right now, it's like another day at the office, and depending on the opponent, you have to adjust accordingly because no two fights are the same. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it right now. It's not so tense anymore, uh, especially when you're very prepared. Oh my, it's like, you know what? I can't wait to go in there and showcase what I've prepared. And <laughs> that is the way I feel right now. Oh, wow. Interesting. So you, you talked about like uh, practicing law briefly, right? So like um, any major achievements from the legal profession, like what, what, what did you do uh, with law? And do you intend to pick it up um, later on in life? Oh, of course, definitely. I intend to pick it up later on in life. Uh, there were no, or at least I can't think of any major um benchmarks in the law profession i uh handled a few cases i was part of the planning team of a few cases for me it was just a chance to learn and like uh, uh practice my profession with the little experience i had and i worked with a law firm and i was one of the very young lawyers obviously so i usually had to take uh, a second seat to most issues and for the more um lighter issues yes we a young lawyer myself like myself was assigned to handle you know little bail issues or you know like divorce issues contract <laughs> cases, you know those were more less they were less serious so you know, the senior lawyers will let the young guys handle stuff like that. But things involving politics or like uh, very big company uh, disputes, they handled themselves. And we took backseat positions and just tried to learn and take as much as possible from what they did. That really I summed mean. up my time. Wow, interesting. You know, when people th think about lawyers, right, they just think about uh, the barristers. But then I get to tell people there are barristers, there are solicitors, right? Uh -huh. In Nigeria, so, you, practice uh, you practice both, right? Yes, every lawyer is uh, uh, certified to be both. However, over the years, most lawyers, uh, do I say specialize, you know? Mm -hmm. So if over the years you seem to get more of one than the other, then they tend to tilt to that direction and they do not exactly exclusively exclusively sorry call themselves either barristers or solicitors 
everyone practices both. Okay, but then what what side do you tilt towards? Mm, I'll say I tilted more to the soliciting side of things. Uh, okay, is, is it, but is that your preference? Yes, it is my preference, if I'm being honest. <laughs> please please be honest on the King Games podcast. Yeah. <laughs> honesty, um, honesty, honesty is the best policy, my brother. <laughs> okay, let's briefly talk about your daily routine, right? And how you keep healthy, you know, your workout routines, diet and nutrition, self-care, healthcare practices. Like what do you do, you know, to keep the machine, you know, properly serviced you know <laughs> um so i'll take each one as far as um, staying healthy um i try to eat three times a day um i try to avoid foods with too much oil but i love my amala so i'm sorry that's my exception <laughs> amala and beggary with um uh, we do abula so, uh, uh, you know, oh, he was, he was, he was freaking yo, yo. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, I miss, I miss yo, yo. <laughs> I have a few places I go to and enjoy my Omala. Um, which, which other places? I, I know the joints in Abuja, man. I know the joints. Yeah, which other places? There's a new place called Habitat. Well, it's not so new, but not as okay. old as yo, yo. Yo, yo has been there okay. for very long. And they, they, they do a good job. They do a good job. Most Amala places tend to phase out after a while because I don't know. I think they try to adjust their cooking for quantity and not quality anymore, so it doesn't taste as good. And anyways, so that is my exception. Um, I try to avoid oils and fatty foods. Uh, I try to get my decent protein intake. I love my beef. Um, I try not to eat late at night. Past seven eight p.m. I don't take. Uh, uh, heavy foods anymore. I could like try some snacks or fruits, but I try not to eat late at night to keep my six pack in shape. Um, I get in a workout between 12 to 15 times a week. So some days I get in twice a week, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, I get in twice a day. And on Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, I get in once a day. And whenever I have a fight, I get in twice a day, every day of the week. Uh, you know, my I have a timetable along with my team as well. So we have days we work boxing. We have days we work kickboxing. We have jujitsu days. We have days we focus on some wrestling techniques. And we have days for strength and conditioning. Okay. Uh, for me, my biggest secret, which I'm going to reveal is consistency i try to be consistent and in the last i love yes, that i love that brag about i i definitely beat my chest about this in the last 10 years i have not gone a week without training mm -hmm. in the last 10 years i can beat my chest and say i haven't gone a week without training i always always get in my training and in fact my i i i I beat myself up when I miss one. Say maybe I have like a car trouble or some important thing that stops me from getting in my morning schedule. However late I get back, I get in that schedule and I get in that workout session in and then I feel good. If I don't do it, I'm like, you know, it, it makes me uh, cringe at myself. You know, I feel 
a little less uh, worthy of my my, my name. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the thing with successful people, right? Um, I think for most of us successful people, we tend to be very hard on ourselves. And then Indeed. Oh, you so hard on yourself, but then that's the thing, you know, you need to keep driving. Like uh, yeah. I feel like I'm doing what I yeah you need to keep driving and you know consistency is key consistency is really really key uh interesting so um like how, how do you handle like say anxiety rather um before uh, fights like what what do you really do to you know keep yourself you know um calm cool and collected i take a deep breath and i focus on what i've planned or the game plan so i usually go into fights with a game plan and I try as much as possible to stick to that game plan. Sometimes you might have to change it depending on your opponent. But I take deep breaths, focus on the game plan. Because sometimes you're likely to get overwhelmed and forget what you were there to do. So I try not to be a victim of that. Like I said, deep breaths, focus on the game plan. Deep breaths, focus on the game plan. It's the same thing. Whether or not you're tense, you're happy, you're sad, you're injured... Whatever your state of mind is, or body, the same thing will happen. You will get called out, you would have to face off with the opponent, and you will have to fight. Now, uh, the one, the, the part of it that is within your control is what you actually do when you have to face off with that person. So I try to focus on that part of things. And sometimes I play the fight in my head, and if it's an opponent, I know even better so i know his tendencies i know his habits and i know what he's likely to do or not likely to do and that helps me play things in my head and i try to remain calm most of the time because you're able to think better when you're calm when you're not you know then you're likely to make rash decisions which might end up being regrettable Interesting, interesting. So, um, looking at the mixed martial arts in Nigeria, right? You were involved in the AKO uh, competition, and right. Kamaru Sman, I think he's one of the promoters of that show. Yes, right. So, like, how's your time? You know, on AKO, like, do you have any relationship with Kamaru Sman? Like, what's like the future of MMA in Nigeria? Like, I mean, I feel like. Baseline, the future is very bright. You know, anything that Nigerians get involved in, we do it to the fullest. Nigerians are extremists, I think. We are either extremely good or extremely bad. The ones that are good are extremely good. The ones that are bad are extremely bad. Like, take example, You are very correct. <laughs> negative publicity. You know, people who get into fraud and the likes, you know, they do it all the way. The worst fraudsters you find are Nigerians. However... You know, on the good side of things, some of the most intelligent people in sciences and art are Nigerians. And I mean, just wow. one one search through Google and you find endless names. So wow. I feel like Nigerians have keyed into the MMA scene. I tell you, oh my, it, it is, there's new organizations springing up every day. As of now, there is an official MMA federation in Nigeria. They're, they're putting together uh, uh, partnerships with military organizations to try to put more competitions out there to try to get more guys out there. It's unfortunate that eh, the planning sometimes can be a bit haphazard, but, you know, I mean, everything good has to start somewhere. And in a few years, I think the UFC might be flooded with Nigerians. 
Mm, interesting. But then, yeah. like, uh, second, second back, I, I, have a, I have a story for you when it comes to like Nigerians being extreme, right? Because it, it sounds like you were actually listening to the recording of, you know, the just recorded episode of my podcast from yesterday. Uh, who was I speaking with? Uh, I was speaking with um, a musician called Wati. You know, we we're talking about um, the reputation of um, Nigerians, you know, especially like in the diaspora, a lot of people have. Um, negative impressions about Nigerians, right? But then before I give you that story, right, I did not want to forget about, like, you talking about your time on AKO and, you know, what yes, your yes. relationship with Kamaru Usman is like. Okay, let me just quickly run through that. Um, first off, with Kamaru, I mean, we have a very casual relationship. We've met a couple of times, both before or after any of the shows. He's had some nice compliments and advice and tips on how to get better and improve and, you know, be the best you can be. Uh, I personally think he's an all-round great guy. His reign as the UFC champion was, I mean, it's nothing short of amazing. And, of course, there's a lot. Phenomenal. Yes. There's a lot he could teach and I could learn from. And he's not based in Nigeria and isn't here very often. But yes, we're in contact. We Sometimes he makes like a repost of my posts. And whenever he's fighting, I have a full crew of my guys. You know, we set up a show at, my, at the gym at my place, TME in Abuja. And everybody comes to watch. We have to see Kamaru in action, you know. So I'm a, I'm a big supporter of, you know, his career and what he's doing. You know, like the last fight with Hamzat, we had a full team. You know, everybody, we had a watch party. It was very... You know, interesting. Uh, so, yeah, that's that for our relationship. There's nothing, like, overly serious. It's just, you know, it's more like, uh, uh, I, I would say I'm like a protege, you know. I, I take what I can take from him. I can learn whatever he's able to teach or offer, and hopefully it does me the best it can. As far as my time in the that's AKO, nice. uh, for a few months, uh, I, I, I'm more of a... I'm not very big on being confined. So that was my biggest eek about being in the AKO house, being confined in the space for the whole period. But aside that, the experience was nice. I mean, we got to train about six hours every day. We, it was a combination of both kickboxing and jiu-jitsu. Uh, uh, we played some competitive games between teams and between ourselves. And, you know, they say you never know a person until you live with them. And I think exactly. actually everybody in the house got a decent taste of what the other guy is like. I mean, outside the fighting thing, I mean, just their personalities and who they are and what their proclivities are and all that stuff. You know, we, we definitely did get inside info about ourselves. And when I say ourselves, I mean about the guys in the camp or the guys who made it to the camp because we were a lot more than uh, 14 before we got into the camp. Um, it was, to be honest, it was very interesting. I definitely look back at that time fondly. Uh, I, I very importantly didn't have a lot of distractions. Uh, right now, I mean, I'm, I have to work as well as train, as well as miscellaneous factors, you know, friends and family, and, you know, usual daily life, challenges in the house i didn't have any of that we didn't have phones nothing it was just sleep wow. eat wake up train and how did that feel how did that feel like 
didn't do anything mentally. When I mentally it was um it was more tasking than anything because we did definitely need some more social uh, interaction that wasn't with cameras in your face you know because they they virtually recorded every aspect of our time in there um uh, yeah mentally that was really it There's, there's not much else uh we ate okay you know and there was a i mean when, when you put 14 guys who are fighters and champions in their different respects there's bound to be testosterone in the air you know so everyone is <laughs> like with a raised eyebrow like you you're the one trying to stop me from getting this right <laughs> I have my eyes on you, you know, so everybody push themselves a little more and the positive side to that was that you know it made everybody stay on their toes everybody put in a hundred plus more uh, aside from the six hour workouts a lot of the guys myself included still put in a few hours extra to like get ourselves ready because i mean if you feel like the next guy is stronger than you are or better than you are or more skilled then that means you have work to do so you know the little rest time we had we would put in some more work to try to better ourselves and getting out of the camp, I, my body felt like a rock because, you know, I, I, no alcohol, no, you know, miscellaneous factors that keep you from staying 100% fit. It was just eat, sleep, train, repeat. And uh, it was definitely good. If there was a way, I personally could put myself in that circumstance where I can eat, sleep, train, repeat, and not worry about my life and like being able to function and provide for my dependents and you know keep my business alive and functioning i would totally jump at it but i mean life is what it is you have to work as well as yeah. <laughs> so fantastic so you you run a mixed martial arts academy right yes i do yeah like how's that business coming along in, in nigeria it's definitely interesting it's it's tough uh, because the economic situation in Nigeria is already a challenge for any So I'm resting against that, but I'm putting in my best foot forward and we've been on for a few years and I dare say we are one of the best. In, in fact, we are the best in Nigeria. We are the best in Nigeria. I, I have been lucky enough or fortunate enough to, you know, have been in a few places around the world to see what the martial arts scene is like there and i have tried to adapt my own place to suit international standards i've had visits from a few international athletes and we've made necessary adjustments i have partnered with some other professional athletes who are able to teach as well because being able to fight and teach are two different skills yes exactly i try to uh uh you know, align with people who are able to teach because my aim, aside from being a fighter, is also to pass the knowledge and teach it to enthusiasts and, and people who want to get some skill and improve the quality of their lives. And, you know, ultimately, it's something to be proud of. And that is where I'm working towards. 
Oh, wow, that's nice. Um, I, rem- I remember too that I was going to tell you a story, right? I did tell you on the last podcast, but then yeah, uh, it's not out yet. So you probably wouldn't have heard it. So um, I work as an auditor in, um, in the United Kingdom here. So yeah. the, the, there was some time, you know, I was at a, a client's office and, you know, one of the staff members in, in this client's um, office, you know, remember me, I was like, oh, wow, where do you come from? I was like, oh, I'm from Nigeria. And then the lady goes like oh wow nigeria i hear there are a lot of fraudsters from that country is that why is that why you're an auditor so that you know you know how people commit you know fraud and you can tackle it i was like what the hell oh my what the hell this bad reputation catching up again with me so like um you know the natural instinct you know for a regular person would be to be upset right but then being a professional, I can't I can be upset at all, right? So what I did was, you know, I had to address the situation calmly. It's like, okay, um, that's that's an interesting take. You know, the media, you know, um has bad press about Nigeria. But I asked her, like, what do you, what do you think the population of at the UK is? Then she was like, Oh, she did not know. So let's check it on the internet. 66 million there about, six something million up to 70 million and like okay what's the population of nigeria she's like oh that should be less than the uk like nah and we checked it that there was 200 million plus like yeah okay interested so where you have you know large numbers you have large numbers of the good the bad the ugly you agree right and then yeah she's like yeah she agrees and then and i told her that same thing you told you just you said previously right that nigerians are extremists that we have a culture of excellence that's the way yes. i put it right the average nigerian right average nigerian family has that culture of teaching you to be the best at anything that you're doing and that's why we have the best fraud we have the best fraud stars right we have the best doctors we have the yep. best engineers we have the best yep. it experts right we have the best accountants in the world like myself because a person like myself right i've worked with two out of the top four accounting firms the global accounting firms in the world so how many people can boast and to to see that they've worked with you know the top four organizations in their in the field of endeavor not many people right so it's 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 crazy you know the way nigeria is that but then you don't get press for being a great accountant or being a great you know economist or being a great uh doctor only if you you know you perform something that is groundbreaking Right. Sorry to and then you right. The moment if there was anything involving your name, you know, considering your experience with these financial firms and your your work as a financial expert, if there was anything involving your name and fraud, boom, you're going to ah Nigerian, Nigerian, stop it! It's a Nigerian, it's a Nigerian chartered accountant involved in so so so. It's going to blow up, and nobody's going to remember all the times you did good auditing work. No, 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 no. All that part don't matter. Now it's the fraudulent aspect of things that goes up. So it's yeah. The fact that you're Nigerian alone—that's crazy. Yes. <laughs> about, yes. You know, it's just it's, it's, it's just crazy. You know, like Nigerians have bad press, but then you know we're doing a lot of great stuff. You know, Nigerian. We have some of the best musicians in the world right now as well. You know, Afrobeats oh. is taking yeah. over the globe. You get it, but then I think um, I think right now. What did you say? I said even in places they don't speak English. I was in Thailand and every bar played 
at least five Nigerian songs in the time I was there. Most exactly. of them don't speak English. I'm sorry, most mm-hmm. of them don't speak Pidgin. They speak English, but they don't speak Pidgin. And it's obvious they don't understand what the artists are saying. Burner Boy is making references. Whiskey is saying Totori Me one time. They don't know what all those things mean, but they sing along anyways and they dance to it. And it's, I was in Tunisia some time ago. Same thing. It's an Arabic and French country. They don't exactly. speak English. Tunisia. <laughs> Tunisia. <laughs> Same thing with Morocco. Yeah. I was in Morocco last month. You know, yeah. and you know, everywhere when I see Nigerian music, I was like, wow, in Morocco, yeah. like, interesting. And then even in Morocco, I was with one guy from Chile, and the guy was like, um, well, where do you come from? Like, Nigeria. I was like, oh, he doesn't know much about Nigeria. Like, what do we have from Nigeria? I was like, okay, our top expert is Afrobeats. <laughs> and then exactly. I was like, oh, like, Afrobeats, yeah. like, what's Afrobeats? And I said, don't worry, just wait. I'll play uh, a song for you, and you know it's Afrobeats. And then I played the... Bremas. I played Bremas Calm Down. It was like, oh, that's all. I know song. <laughs> Everybody, calm down with you. Know, you. Uh, you know, it's crazy how you know, some of them, you know the music, but they don't even know that it's called Afrobeats. Yes. Right? Like, that is how popular that music. The, the, you know, Afrobeats has gone viral way beyond what you know we can even control any longer so like nigeria nigerians are impacting the world you know positively and you know there are also bad eggs amongst us that you know are impacting it negatively as well but then i think like the bad eggs get get more recognition or like the good the good eggs like us you know (laughs) the government should be paying us you know money for for being good ambassadors (laughs) for impacting people's lives for inspiring people all over the world but we don't get that you know that's don't get the bruises that we deserve. <laughs> it's fine. It's all well and good, you know. Um, speaking of Nigeria, right? Uh, do you see the first UFC Africa happening in Nigeria, or where do you no. see it happening? I don't see where it happening in Nigeria. No, it's not going to happen. Oh, where do you think it's going to happen? There's much negative logistics involved that might make it significantly harder to put together. Um. I, I think it's more likely to happen in South Africa because, I mean, with the level the AFC has been able to build, I think it might be easier for them to just use the existing protocols and strategies already there and then expand on it a little bit to accommodate the uh, UFC numbers. Uh, okay. It's probably possible, I don't know about Egypt because of, a few restrictions they might have but south africa jumps at me first i think it's probably going to happen in south africa very very likely very likely yeah, yeah they have the infrastructure already but then mm-hmm. at what point do you see the, well at what point do you see the usc coming to nigeria at least maybe even building a pi because we have a lot of raw talent in nigeria it's not about it so you know this is a this is a very big problem with Nigeria. We have so much, but the atmosphere is not conducive enough. So now we have all the talent it takes to perform at whatever level worldwide. However, the facilities are not uh, uh, established in such a way that makes these things flourish. So something as tangible as having just one, not two, just one. UFC fight card happening in Nigeria. I still think are very slim for the next five years. Hmm. I hope it but does. Then... I hope something happens. 
But I mean, for example, some years ago there was a football match here. I think it, it involved the Super Eagles and Ghana or some some African country. And oh, the World Cup qualifier. Yes, it was in Abuja. In Abuja, and it was a stampede. Listen, you 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 have not seen that many people in one place. People's things got stolen. The stadium got vandalized. You know, it it was. It was it was a horrible outcome, I dare say. And you know, I, I bet the people who planned it and put the things together, maybe FIFA or whatever affiliated body, did not expect that one, there were going to be so many people, and two, that there was going to be that much uh vandalism and, and like how do I say rascality, you know, going to happen at the venue. So it's I crazy. Imagine. I heard that people, even people that did not get tickets, you know, like fought their ways into the into the stadium. Oh my! You you listen. They brought down some of the fences of the stadium. I mean, it, it just it, it was really baffling, to be honest. I I found the the road leading to the stadium was blocked off totally with cars of people who parked to walk down maybe a full kilometer to get to the stadium. It was that long. Yeah, but I think uh, it was because of the outcome of the match. You know, Nigeria lost their chance to to proceed into no, uh, no. the World Cup. Or, and know. even leading up to the time, like the amount of of uh, negative things that happened even before the match started was just That's out of it. Cool. And imagine if that was a fight show. So everyone is in fight spirits. Like everyone is in combat mode. <laughs> combat mode activated. Has to plan for uh, uh, facilities to deal with rascals or people with negative tendencies, for example. And that is, it's just, I, I think it just makes things that much harder. To yeah, but together. then UFC is no stranger to, to, to such issues because um, I'm fights break are, um, everywhere. Nigeria is different. Listen, if you prepared anything anywhere else in the world, if you want to prepare it in Nigeria, you have to prepare it specifically for Nigeria. Don't apply the same, you know, uh, uh, structure or framework you use anywhere else. The Nigerian society is very different with everything. So, <laughs> but do, do you have enough gangsters like America? Come on, no, come on. There are fights not, breaking out at UFC events in, in the US and then they still contain that. The people who do this are not gangsters. They are, they are hawkers and people who do petty trade. People who, who, who are like, uh, uh, you know, they, they do petty businesses and stuff. They are not gangsters. It's not their work. It's just that they have a tendency to switch under very little notice. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> short, short notice. He's become a gangster, like you're saying, and a short notice replacement fighter. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so I mean, ah. let me give you an example. Say, say they had to do a UFC Africa fight card, and it involved Usman having to face Shimaev, and Usman loses to Shimaev. And most of the people who are likely going to vandalize the stadium or whatever venue it is <laughs> probably don't even know Usman or Shimaev. 
Nigeria and he has lost. Boom. All hell Everybody's going crazy. And some of them don't even know doing it. You know, they just join the crowd, cheap mentality, and just act. I saw the internet recently. Plan for such people. The security budget has to be the highest. You know, things like that. It's not like everywhere is unsafe. These are normal people. They, they, they don't do this normally. But they have a tendency to fall into that sheep mentality and just go with the crowd and do stupid shit. And pardon mm. my French, but it's unfortunate. Let's, let's let's hope for the best. Let's hope for the best, right? But then, like, yeah. what's your take? What, what's your, like your take on your contribution in supporting youth development? You know, especially in martial arts, and you know, like, what have you like done in this um, area thus far? Okay, first of what my take is, I think um, the environment needs to be made better. It has to be more conducive for athletes or prospective athletes to get in there, train, hone their skills, get better. Because they mostly have the talent. They just don't have the exposure to qualified training or exposure to a qualified conducive environment to allow them train and improve because... I mean, any martial arts requires a lot of time. It requires, even for the people who have natural talent, it requires a lot of time, dedication, consistency. And for most of these people, there is, there is no conducive environment to allow them put all these qualities to improve themselves. And I feel like at the baseline, that is where it is. We need to get qualified people. We need to get... A, a conducive environments that allow people to train athletes to train and improve now on the other end what i have personally been doing off my pocket with my own sweat is uh, i'm doing my best to provide world standard conducive environment to allow willing able and consistent athletes to train and improve themselves i'm working on a few guys I, I don't feel like I know it all. So whenever I'm able to get more qualified people from within the confines of Nigeria or even from abroad, some have come. And, you know, whenever I get a chance, I try to get them in there, try to get all my guys in there, myself included. Nobody stops learning. You know, I, I learn from everyone every day and I, you know, add it to my skill set. That is how we all grow. And I try to provide that enabling environment to allow athletes grow and and improve and and you know i provide a platform that just helps them bounce off to the next level oh interesting that, that that's a great one that's a great one so we all aim higher right so what what, what bigger stages do you see yourself you know practicing uh, mixed martial arts um i'm pretty flexible on stage as long as i get to practice martial arts i'm happy so if it's Bellator or 1FC or UFC or, or EFC even, I mean, for me, so maybe this I is want a, to see you. I want to see you in the UFC. I'm going to call Uncle Dana, you know. I, I kind of buying the, I kind of buying the UFC apparel all the, all the time and, you know, not, not have my boy in the UFC. <laughs> so, 
tell her like, with, with, with how with how much money I've invested in the UFC, you know, like I've been subscribed to the UFC Fight Pass for many years. I'm always buying stuff off their store, right? Yeah. So what next year season is in the UK, is in London. I'm just going to go there and get Dana's Please, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. Hey, hey Dana. <laughs> I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk like Canonier. Hey, quit, quit distracting Dana. Dana, I want to give you a word. Sign my boy, machine gun yes. chance. <laughs> yes, yes, he needs to. Okay, and okay. Very, very uh, uh, flexible. Put me in, in the midst of 10 wolves and give me three months. You have 11 wolves right there. That's the way I think. That's the way I do things. I'll adjust immediately. So, I mean, the moment I have such an opportunity, oh my, you better watch out. I'll be a problem or even more of a problem. Uh, interesting. You know, I just keep shooting for the stars, aim for the moon. You know. Hmm, interesting. So, so what are your hobbies and uh, personal interests? Uh, personal interests. I mean, right now, to be honest, training is a big hobby for me. I, I used to have some other hobbies like reading, and um, what else did I like to do? I like to hang out with friends and all that stuff, but. Right now, I would say my two big hobbies are training and riding a bike. Hmm, interesting. So, so like, what skills or competences do you have, right, uh, that people do not know about or you're proud of? Like, what mm -hmm. is it that you're really, really great at that people don't what know? What am I great at? I mean, I'm good at a lot of things. I can cook. Wow, fantastic. So you're like me. So you, you have a lot in common with me, right? I'm a first child as well, right? <laughs> and then, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a great chef. I'm a really, I can really I chef. Cook, I, back in I school, I studied food. foods and nutrition. And, um, oh, very, interesting. I was very big on learning to cook and, you know. I'm, and let's just say I know my way around the kitchen. Maybe it's not a very... <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's a great one. That that that's yeah. a great one. You know, and then you know, it's not it's not just enough to know how to cook food that like only you or a few people can eat, right? But you know, like a lot of people can eat. So like I've done I've done crazy stuff when it comes to cooking, right? Like I cooked for a whole party. You know, in in Abuja, you know, you know, we like house parties a lot, right? So yeah. like I I used to cook a lot for for like the house parties. You know, there was some time that um a friend of mine was having. Uh, I think their sister had like um, a one year, uh, the first year birthday of their daughter. And then I made this um, asun for the whole <laughs> party. And, you know, usually people are usually more interested in the chicken meat or the beef, right? And then when they said the asun, they were like, who made this thing? We want more. We want more. <laughs> and then that's how, like, he just went viral. And I started, like, making asu for, for parties when I was in um, Abuja. And, uh, like, in my office in, in London, so there was a time we were having this cultural day. Okay. Uh, Nigeria and Ghana culture day. And then I made Asun. I made Zobo. I took it to the office. And you see, like, even white people were like, oh, the gods, the gods are sweet. <laughs> like, oh, damn. You get, like, it's not just enough, you know, where you cook food and your fellow Nigerians enjoy it, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, where yeah. you cook food and, like, other people, people from, like, different countries can relate to it, 
then uh, you know that oh you've been able to like chef it up interesting interesting one so before we let you go um we have a few set of questions for you right so but then uh what advice do you have for upcoming athletes and young people in general what advice do you have because basically you know this 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 show right this podcast is about sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things but also yep. right it is with the aim of inspiring people especially the up-and-coming people right we want yep. to be the reason why people do not give up on their dreams people chase their dreams people chase their passions people want to become something in life and give back to the society right that's um, the real reason why we uh do this um i'll say far as young athletes i would say train hard train consistently and look for make conscious effort to look for people who have the knowledge and skill that could help improve yourself and never feel like you know everything because you mm. don't and there's always room to learn and improve and approach every challenge with that mindset. I intend to learn, I intend to improve. And once you can do that, I mean, you only go up and the sky's the limit. Uh, as far as young people, I would say get a, get an education. I feel like an important. education- it's very, very important. Oh, it's very important. You know, nowadays here, people are like, education is a scam and it's not necessary, ETC. And I feel like education doesn't only teach you that two plus two equals four. It teaches you how to, and that is the most important part. It's not what the education teaches you that is a thing. It is the fact that education teaches you how to think. So you can apply the same thinking methodology to so many other things. And, you know, yeah, you're less the method behind the madness. <laughs> exactly. You know, you're more informed. Now you don't need a teacher to teach you because now you know how you can teach yourself and how you can learn. And, you know, with the, with the resilience of Nigerians, I think once most of these people who aren't educated are able to learn how to teach themselves, because now information is everywhere. 99% of the things we're being taught in school is on the internet. All you need to do is learn how to access them design a schedule and you can teach and educate yourself to virtually professional level in virtually any field right now. All you need is enough dedication and enough consistency to achieve that. And, uh, you know, if, if people can just learn how to teach themselves and how to learn, the sky's the limit. So my advice for every young person out there, in fact, every old person too, because there's some old people that don't know so for everybody, everybody please learn, learn how to yeah. teach us, learn how to learn, and learn how to think. Because <laughs> there's too many gullible people in Nigeria. That's why we have, you know, a lot of the negative press we have and, and exactly. know, mishaps, ETC. If people just had more access to information and stayed informed, they'll be less gullible. And, you know, ultimately, society in Nigeria will be so much better. Hmm, interesting. While you were talking about learn and you know put the emphasis on learn, uh, for a moment, like you're sounding like this guy that's become popular on um, social media to be a uh, very dark black man. 
Oh, BDM. Uh, yeah, it's my. And that guy, that guy says, don't play, don't play. You're going to learn. Are you going to learn the hard way? <laughs> hard way. <laughs> don't play. So you're telling the youth, don't play. You're going to learn. <laughs> I think that's the reason. It's just real and he's factual, even though uh, a lot of people try to quite, like... quite controversial right now. Yeah, he is, but I mean, most of what he says is not wrong. It's he's very accurate, and you know, people don't like the truth, and it's unfortunate, but that's human nature. Most people don't like the truth, and as long as you keep speaking the truth, you will be hated. For sure. <laughs> it is, it is what it is. It is what it, it is, is, man. It is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That that was the last question for me, right? But then you know, on the on the pod, we have a tradition, right? We're in the current guest leaves a question for the next guest okay do you want to do you know, want to know the question that was left for you shoot go ahead hmm. uh, okay let's go so the question from the previous guest that is um Tevidayo Akinuli. he is uh popularly known as well t is an artist uh and a businessman so he says what do you think is the essence or purpose of life what do you think is the essence of purpose of life? And how do you think the human race came about? Creation or evolution? So it's like Quick a one, two, two there, that's a two-prompt question, right? So let's let's break it down, right? What do you think is the essence of purpose of life? Like why are we here? What's the essence? Mm. Um that's deep. Say, if I had to put it in one word, I'll say fulfillment. Fulfillment is the essence of life. So how do you get fulfilled? So it's very dynamic. For everyone, fulfillment is different. For some people, it's money. For some people, it's status. For some people, it's education or knowledge. For some people, it's development of both self or society. For some people, it's family. Some people just want to have a husband or a wife and kids and they feel good. You know, for some people... It, it, it's uh, progression, you know, moving from one stage to the next and being able to feel like they've moved and, and see that progress, you know, they feel fulfilled and they feel happy. And even though, you know, the quest for perfection is endless, but as long as you feel like you're getting better, you feel fulfilled. So I would say if I had to put it in as few words as possible, it's fulfillment. Okay. Okay. Fulfillment. So what, 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 what do you think about how the human race came about? Ah, bros, I don't have an answer for that one. Uh, creation or evolution? Like, do you yeah. think, are you part of the people that support Darwin? Huh? I mean, the, 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 there's loopholes in both. So the evolution <laughs> theory, I mean, I find it hard. Loopholes. But, 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 but which one of them do you tilt towards? I, I kind of tilt towards the evolution theory because the the uh, uh, the Bible theory is purely fictional. It's okay. purely fictional. The idea was to uh, point out a moral of the story. Kind of, it's like Tales by Moonlight. When you listen to, when he says, oh, Okonkwa did this and then that happened and that happened. The aim isn't to tell you about a concord. The aim is to tell you that you shouldn't steal from your friend or you shouldn't be bad to the next mm -hmm. guy or something. So I feel like the whole Bible story was 
aimed at teaching a, a, a moral lesson than it's been an actual uh, 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 depiction of how we came to be. It doesn't make sense. Interesting. And Interesting. Same for evolution theory. <laughs> I, I find it hard to believe we came. If we did come from monkeys, why are there still monkeys now? I mean, we should have all moved from monkeys to human. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I have a bunch of questions about those things. Exactly. So, but <laughs> I'll say for the fact that I can at least see the monkeys, I know, okay, there's something we came from. I, I don't know where the Garden of Eden is. And nobody knows any descendants of Adam or Eve or or Esau and, and, and Abel, sorry, Cain and Abel, ETC. So it's mm, it's a very touchy subject. Yeah, difficult to, to express um, knowledge that you do not have about that. Interesting. So um, what, what question would you like to leave for the next guest to ask? Mm. Am I allowed to know who the next guest is? Mm. Or I can... <laughs> question because what if it's not Nigerian yeah, so, and I have a question that is very Nigerian tailored. Uh, okay, so so the thing is anybody can answer anything. All right. Mm. We are all human beings. <laughs> we are human uh, beings. Uh, I would say okay I'll make it a random one. Um to be able to defend yourself, which do you think is a more important feature to have, skill or strength? Mm, to be able to defend yourself, which do you think is uh, a more important feature, skill okay, or more strength? important feature to have, skill or strength? Yes. Yes. Wow, fantastic one. That, that, that was a great question. Very great question. Yep. Yes. That is fantastic. So at this point, we have come to the end of uh, the pod for today. Thank you very much, uh, Shex. It's been a really, really great time, you know, having a fantastic conversation with you. I wish you the very, very best, you know, in all of your endeavors uh, going forward. I hope to see you do very great things, accomplish greater heights, you know, in your life, in business, in your career. And we hope that you continue to be a greater inspiration, you know, to the up and coming people. Thank you very much. And God bless you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you, bro.